Good morning. Excited about Christmas coming up. My kids, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, my kids are like, every, every, every day whenever I get up, you know, I mean like I'm, I, and of course, I don't know about you guys, but the closer I come, we get to Christmas, it's almost like they, they wake up earlier and earlier and earlier and earlier and earlier. So now it's to the point like, the, so the other morning I get up and I come downstairs and I am, I'm groggy, right? And my daughter is right there immediately as I open the door. And I'm like, Haley, you know how many days till Christmas? And like, I'm trying to like process in my mind, like, it's still 2020, like, who are you? Like, what is going on? Oh, but you know what? But it's exciting stuff. It really is of, of where, where things, it's an exciting time. I know that it's, you may be looking at the, the world is, it's, it's, it feels like it's upside down, but you know what? God's, God's still in control of all of it. And you know, uh, in, in this week, today we want to talk about um, peace. Last week, if you were, um, last week if you were with us, we talked about uh, grace. We talked about that grace was really a unique thing. It was God's divine influence or God's ability working inside of your life. And it puts a different perspective on things of whenever I'm trying to tackle my problems or I'm trying to go about my day, that it's not just me, but God's grace is with me, that he's actually given me his ability to work and perform things through him. And, you know, I, so... I, I kind of want to call the, because the, I'll be doing the sermons up, up to Christmas Eve, but I want to call these sermons the greetings. Because if you go through the New Testament and you look at Paul, the letters that Paul wrote to the churches, you'll notice in every single epistle he starts off by saying, grace and peace be to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy, every single one. Grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace. And I think it's unique, that Timothy, the ones he writes to Timothy, who's a pastor, right? It's grace, peace, and mercy <laughs> to you. It's like, Paul's, Paul's speaking to another ministry. He's like, look, man, I, I know it. We, we, we got to go to another level on this, right? And so I find, though, that, that peace, is, peace is, a, is a unique topic because I think whenever we get, if you ask people, everybody's definition of what peace is is different, and I think it comes within different contexts. We think, you know, peace in the world, you know, which you, you think, at least for me, the first thing you think is absence of war, right? Or you think of, you know, peace within your, within your office, you know, the place where you work. And, you know, if you're, if you're like our engineering department, that means that everybody else gets fired and they're the only people that remain. Um, I'm sure none of you are like, yeah, I don't understand any of that. You know, you think peace in your family, you know, and you think that means that maybe certain people move very far away all of a sudden, you know? <laughs> or you think maybe peace in, my, peace in your mind, and you're like, yeah, that's the, the four to eight hours where I'm sleeping. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'm the only one just imagining these things, right? None of us have ever been at that point in our lives where we feel that that's the only way that we can make a connection with something that even resembles peace. And you know, for me, for me, honestly, I'm, I'm an extremely nostalgic person. I love, oh my gosh, my, my parents have a nice collection of pictures, of, of, of photo albums, and I absolutely love going back through, whenever I, was, whenever I was younger, I'd love to go back through those photo albums. 
And I had such fond memories associated with all these pictures. And man, I even got to the point I knew exactly where certain pictures were in these photo albums. And I find that, you know, I'm the same way with my Google photos. You know, everything we upload in, into that. And I, I love to just scroll back through and go through it. And so here late, recently, um, I went back through a ton of old hard drives that I had and collected a ton of old CDs that we had pictures on. Took a whole, all these pictures from whenever Amanda and I were dating and we were engaged. And I uploaded them all onto there. And we were just going back through and just laughing at just some of the old pictures of ourselves, right? And what was amazing is as going through it, I'm like, oh, look at that. Do you remember that? That was such wonderful times. And her perspective is like, Ben, do you, hold on. Wonderful times? Like, do you, do you remember what was going on whenever that picture was taken? And then she, she lists out, you know, reality, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't remember that. Well, but why? Because what I was doing is I see that and I'm looking at the source. Well, what's the greatest source of peace and of enjoyment that I'm getting out of that? Because I'm a nostalgic person. And so for me, that's what I drew off of. And so I find that even myself, it's like as I go through, and, and, and you guys can, you, if you can relate, that you do this too, that's great. And if you think I'm insane, well, just stay here for another hour and 15 and then go home and talk about me. <laughs> <laughs> But I find that like whenever I'm in times of like stress in my life, sometimes my outlet, and this, you could say, well, that's just an escape. Well, you know what? It is. I'll go back and remember, and it seems to like follow like this 10 to 12 year period where I'll remember back that period, like a set number of years back and think, oh man, it was so easy back then. It was so simple back then. It was so easy. Everything was, oh, it was just good. But it's kind of like, maybe this, again, this is probably me. My rose-colored glasses when it comes to the past are extremely rose-tinted, right? (laughs) But I think what it is, is really, is I'm looking back to draw off of what I consider the peace, the tranquility, the joy, and the enjoyment of those times, And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we each have those sources that we go to in times of stress where we are desperately trying to get some semblance of peace in our lives. Nobody wants a constant state of chaos unless you're my son. (laughs) Right, I know. You see, the guy that watches him too, yeah, he understands. You know what I'm talking about? If Amanda was in here, she would understand too. No, but... I, I, have to, I have to say that the message of peace was a challenge for me because I think it's a topic that I honestly, and being very honest with you, I struggle with it in my own life. I struggle maintaining it. I struggle keeping focused on it in times of stress. Whenever things are not lining up to what I think they should be or they're not meeting the expectations of what I've put on them, it's tough. And I'll be honest in this message... <laughs> I, I waited, I waited, and I waited, and I waited, I waited, I waited to come up with it because I wanted God to give me something else. And I, 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 it was kind of like, oh, you know, Wednesday prayer was really good. God, maybe, what's, what's out there? It's peace. What's out there, God, that you want me to, it's peace. What, God, just, just give me that, give me that thing that it's just really in my wheelhouse that says it'll come to me, it's peace. But you know what? I'm willing to yield. And you will find in your life, and I will tell you, God spoke to me so much for my own life 
during this coming up with this. Because whenever you yield over to him, even whenever you do not want to, he will bless you all the more. Our God rewards sacrifice and obedience. And whenever you lay down yourself, all of a sudden you get grace. It's just like we talked about last week. God gives grace to the humble. And he's so good, he'll let us, he'll let us come around that mountain again and again and again and again and again. He is good. He is good. So I just, I want to I encourage you too, because I, I think there's no shortage of things where you could say, look, I, I, there's a lot of opportunity in my life to not have peace. Over the last year with COVID, ugh, bleh, right? I mean, pick any factor that you want that has changed our lives within the last year on any respective level. In your work, with people, in your relationships, and that's just maybe your spouse, your kids, wherever, whatever state that that's all in. There's no shortage of opportunities that you have to not have peace. But today what we want to do is we want to look at where does our peace ultimately come from? What really is peace? Because I think, there's, I think peace sometimes to us, we can put very subjective definitions of peace. And that's not necessarily what God is trying to communicate that peace is. And then we want to find out, how do we actually start having some? I mean, how many of you could say, it would be nice to have a little more peace in my life? <laughs> there are some of you that had your hand up before I finished the sentence. <laughs> so I want to read, starting off, I want to read a, a scripture with us. And it's kind of like the, one of the classics, if you could call a scripture a classic, of the, the birth of Jesus, used a lot. You see, you see portions of this scripture used a lot with uh, Christmas time, too. And I actually want to have it on the screen, and I want to read it. I encourage you, please read it all together. It, to me, I, I think reading the scripture out loud really gives a lot to our own hearts. So if you could read it with me. A child is born to us, a son is given to us, and authority will be on his shoulders. He will be named. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be vast authority and endless peace for David's throne and for his kingdom, establishing and sustaining it with justice and righteousness now and forever. Whew. Let's take a little bit of a look it's some of the parts of this scripture because, whoa, there's a lot to unpack. Our biggest one to remember in Christmas time is a child is born to us, a son is given, right? But look at the next thing. It says, authority will rest on his shoulders. Now, whenever you look at that word in the, in the, in the Hebrew, whenever they use the definition of shoulder, it's referring to the body part, but oftentimes it's referred to carrying weight. So get this. Not only does authority rest on Jesus, but he is also the entire construct that holds authority up. He is the power and the authority. There is no other stops in between. Wonderful counselor. Oh, man. I mean, what would it be like to sit down with a wonderful counselor and tell him my problems and hear what that wonderful counselor has as advice for me? Have you spent time with your wonderful counselor to hear what he has to say? And then it says the prince of peace. He is the one that rules over peace. He is the one that distributes it. He is the source of it. He is the ruler of peace. If you want peace, 
the kind of peace that God gives, you will not have it unless you get it from him. That's it. There's plenty of temporary peace that you can have in this life. There's plenty of temporary denial that you think is peace that you will live in in this life, but it is not peace that God wants for us. And then it says, there will be vast authority and endless peace. I want you to get the idea. Giving Jesus Christ total and complete authority in your life gives you peace. Why? Because I am totally operating under his authority. I don't have to worry about justifying myself. I don't have to worry about what other people think about myself. The guy that runs everything is pleased with me. So I'm sorry that you may not like how things are going, but I have yielded my life over to him. And then it says that endless peace is established and sustained. Everyone say established and sustained. With justice and righteousness. Now, if I'm going to understand anything about this ruler, this prince of peace and the peace that he has, I need to understand that he is establishing and sustaining peace with justice and righteousness. So I better have a clear picture. One, my God, Jesus Christ is my source of peace. Not a checklist, not an accomplishment. Not everything lining up to my expectations of perfection in my life. That is not peace. My peace comes from my Lord Jesus Christ. And he said he'll establish it with justice and righteousness. Well, if I know my source, I better figure out, well, what is exactly his version of justice and righteousness? Because I think this is the big, this is one of our problems that we have today in this world. Justice and righteousness. Righteousness means just having a, a right standing position with God, a good position. I want to have a good position with God, like being God's favorite. You guys want to be God's favorite? I do. I am. And his justice, justice, whenever we think of justice, it's right and wrong. And here's the problem with today. Today's society, everything is so drilled into you to choose your own truth. You go on to social media, there is no right and wrong unless you've upset someone. And I mean, golly gracious, it's like you log in and it's like you have upset five people. <laughs> right? <laughs> Anyone ever read the book, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? <laughs> no. It talks about, it says, in the beginning the universe was created. This was generally regarded as a bad move and upset a lot of people. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like that's what today is. It's like, it doesn't matter what has happened, you've upset somebody some way, somehow. But the problem is, is because there's no unification of truth. There's no unification of right or wrong. It's you decide. And I'm telling you what, if you go into social media, it is the most unpeaceful mess that you will ever look at. Why? Because it's a bunch of people that have no sense of justice. There's no ruler, no prince of peace there. Why? Because they refuse to go under his authority. They want to establish it themselves. So we got to figure out what it is. We have to figure out how, how do we make this connection with my God that if I, I better come into his righteousness, I better come under his justice. And thank God he made it simple. He made it a gift. Our next scripture we want to look at is Romans 5.1. 
It says, since we have been made right with God by our faith, we have peace with God. This happened through the Lord Jesus Christ, who through our faith has brought us into the blessing of God's grace that we now enjoy, and we are happy because of the hope we have in sharing God's glory. I am at peace with my God through Jesus Christ. The prince, that's why he is the prince of peace. Because in God's eyes, once Jesus Christ died, he justified me. And what I want to do is I want to take a I just want to just real quickly, I think, I think we get lost on this sometimes, of the importance of peace with God. Because as soon as Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, as soon as he did that, there was a divide between mankind and God. And it wasn't like, oh, well, you know, just Adam made a mistake. You know, just one mistake, is that really a big deal? I mean, so he made one mistake. To God, yeah, he made one mistake, and you will have eternal death because of it. That's, you're like, whoa, 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 I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. I'm sorry, it's not your rules that you're making up. <laughs> I don't get to determine it. But say again, this is the problem with our culture today, is they want to determine it. They want a lesson. I made the mistake, no big deal, so what? No, 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 no. If Adam and Eve sinned, and let's say that was the only sin they committed, perfect for the rest of their lives, and let's say every single human being that they created after that point, let's say maybe all of us, we were really good, we only messed up one time in our life, each one of us, right? I mean, like, I, that'd be a miracle, right? <laughs> that'd be a miracle, and our spouses would be able to tell you exactly when that happened. Um, <laughs> No, just kidding, man. <laughs> Can we edit that out? Is that possible? No? Uh, anyways. No, but let's say, let's say, let's say you made that one mistake. Only one, only one. That one mistake would give God enough cause to subject you to eternal damnation for all of eternity. Why? Because sin is that serious to him. Just one, one thing. One thing, I, mean, I just lied, I just misrepresented it once, and I lied just a little bit. Nope, that's it. Jesus Christ would have still had to come and die the same way that he did if you sinned once in your life versus as much as you have sinned in your life. Because to God, it was that important. Guys, sin is not trivial in our lives. It is not trivial. Jesus Christ suffered and died on a cross for you because of it. Understand, angels had one choice. Those angels that chose to side with Lucifer were not given a second chance. They received, and here's the, let me tell you something else. Hell was not designed to be for human beings. It was for those fallen angels. Mankind goes, went to it because we sinned as well against our creator just the way those angels sinned. It gives you a good perspective of why demons hate us to the utmost. Because here we are, we have a, sir, we have a savior, someone who gave us peace with the almighty God, the uncreated one. 
And we trivialize it by going through our lives, living how we want and making our own rules. To just live as we please without any respect to what was truly lost. But if you get that perspective, you realize how valuable that peace with God is. I have peace with my heavenly Father through Jesus Christ if I have asked him to save me, if I have asked him to redeem me. I have peace with my heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. He no longer looks at my sin. In fact, he gives me the right to become a child of God. That's what's important. Not your 401k, not anything going on within this world. Guys, I'm telling you, your family relationships, the people you know, the most important thing for you as a messenger of the gospel is to tell them about the peace that God can give them through Jesus Christ. That's good. Now you understand. He is our prince of peace because he has made peace between God and us. When it says that Jesus Christ is a mediator, he, the Bible is not mincing words. But you see, though, without Jesus Christ, there is no opportunity for true peace. It's impossible to obtain. You can pretend, but you will never obtain. Jesus Christ is all that we need. That's why it says that he is before all things and in all things hold together through him. That's why it says, that in, in, in 2 Peter it says that we've been given all we need to live godly lives through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is our source. And so many of us, we go through our lives, in some places we have God set up right. Where it's, yeah, Jesus, you're the Lord over here. Whenever we get into these three other categories here, no. I, 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 there's just things there. I, I, I got it. I know how to work this. I don't need Jesus. I, let's just focus over here. And I will guarantee you, you probably think that you have it together. Those are the weakest areas of your life. Why? Because the wonderful counselor can't counsel you. The everlasting father can't show you his love there. He can't give you his grace, his ability. The prince of peace can't give you peace there. Why? Because you have not let him be the prince of peace. You think about it, what control do we have that we can actually stop God like that from working in our lives like that? So if we have, if we know that he is our prince of peace and we know that we can go to him and obtain this peace, we can obtain peace with our heavenly father through Jesus Christ, living with him, walking with him, spending time with him. Guys, I'm telling you, it doesn't say that he is the prince of ease, the prince of convenience. He is the prince of peace, which means we may have to change what our perspective of peace is. So we know where the source is. We know that it's available to us. But I want to make sure that we have the right definition next of really what biblical peace is described as. So as we're getting this ready, we have a little uh, a video I want to show you in just a second. But 
I, whenever I watched this video, it really, it, it helped me understand that my perspective of what I think peace in my life doesn't always line up with what God thinks it is. And it humbled me because I thought to myself, yeah, God, I, I see a lot of ways that I am not, that I think I'm in peace, but I am really not. Again, we said in the beginning, sometimes peace is subjective to the situation. So if you could just uh, enjoy the video here, take, take, take a minute, watch it with us, and I, I think it'll give us a really good perspective on just peace in our own lives. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting, it also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom, and his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work. 
because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. I mean, whenever I watch that, I never thought of, the, of peace as being wholeness, complete. But you know, it makes sense then that Jesus Christ would be the Prince of Peace, that the only version of perfection that we will ever have a sniff at in this life is what we can obtain through him. You cannot be whole. You cannot have peace in your life without yielding over your life to Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you will go through your life and look for all these different blocks that you're trying to put into that wall to make peace, and they will never fit. You will put it in, and it'll look like it'll fit. It will erode, and then you'll be in the same state again. Different face, same state. Jesus Christ gives you wholeness. His power, his power to work in your life is literally unlimited. We understand now why it makes, it makes so much more sense where Jesus said to his disciples in John 14, 27, the next verse we want to look at, it says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Peace is not some end point that you get to by accomplishing a certain amount of work, by accomplishing a certain amount of good relationships, by giving a certain amount of thumbs up on Facebook. It's not obtainable by a certain number of good job reviews that you get every year. It's not accomplished by anything other than serving, living, and walking with the Prince of Peace. That's why Jesus said this. He goes, you're, look, 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 the peace I give to you, it's not like what the world will give you. It is on an entirely different operational level. And you know, I, 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 I'll say it again. Jesus said he's the prince of peace, not the prince of convenience, ease, preference, satisfaction. Because I think for a lot of us, we think that peace comes whenever everything happens how I think it should. Whenever it happens how I anticipate or to the level of my determination. And that's just simply utterly not the case. And if you chase that, you will constantly live in a state of frustration. If you find yourself getting frustrated at things, you should ask yourself, whose peace am I trying to draw from? Would I expect, or is this what God is trying to give me? I paused there because after I wrote that, that was hard for me. You find that the people you come across with, that your work, your family, friendships, I mean, you see this in the, in the, in the, in the world today. I mean, how about this? Anybody ever have, you drive in a car, 
and you get frustrated with the other person that is either driving or not driving, either way, right? And then for the next, for the next like 20 minutes, that person's living rent-free in your head, you know, <laughs> because that's all you're thinking about. Did that person steal your peace or did you give it? Why are you so frustrated? Are you really frustrated with that person? I mean, really, honestly, you don't even, you don't know him from Adam. Why are you so mad at him? So what? They made a mistake. Well, are you perfect? No, but it makes me mad. Why? We don't want to talk about that, okay? <laughs> no, why? Because my version and definition of peace is a set of circumstances coming together, not relying on my Lord and Savior to find out what's really important. Let's just take a look at the first, uh, <laughs> let's look at the first 24 to 72 hours of Jesus' life. Like, we'll go a little bit before and just look at this. You tell me if this is an environment of peace, all right? Let's do this. So to start off, there is a massive census that has to happen, and basically it's uprooting everybody from where they're at. They've got to go cross over, go back to where you where you're first born, everybody has to go do this, right? So it is massive. I mean, everybody is moving. It, it, it's disrupted the entire life of everybody around them, right? Mary is nine months pregnant, okay? And I, look here, I, I have not carried child. However, my wife has carried two. And I believe in some small regard, I have an appreciation for some of what goes into actually carrying the child yourself, right? So they're in a period where Mary is getting close to childbirth, and they have this edict where everybody has to go move and do this census. So they begin, first of all, Mary knows that she's not going to give, be able to give birth at home, right? No local, local place of where, where you normally would go, the person that she's probably been talking to this entire time about her pregnancy, not going to be there, right? Peaceful? Ladies that were pregnant, would that be peaceful for you? No. I highly doubt it. Get there. Rooms are all booked. Nothing open. You know, and I'm, I'm almost positive that there's probably no discussion between Mary and Joseph beforehand about Joseph sending messengers ahead to make sure that rooms were available. Sure there wasn't any conversation like that. You know, they just were just hoping that for the best remember they got there. You know, and just, I, I, right? What, what, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say, I, I, I bet there was a lot of opportunity for argument between the two of them. Mary is in physical discomfort during this. Now, hold on. Also, not only just physical discomfort, she has traveled for the last several days on the back of a donkey yeah. while nine months pregnant, not sitting in the in the, in the car with the lower lumbar support and the heated seats, on the back of a donkey, right? Oh, because I'm sure that's the perfect opportunity to have peace, is it? Yeah, there's just it's a total convenience here. And then they get there, nobody cares that she's pregnant. I don't care that you're pregnant. I don't have any rooms. So I'm sure there's a plenty of opportunity to get mad at the innkeepers. I'm sure there's plenty of opportunity to get mad at the people in the street. I'm sh do you think that they didn't ask, hey, could you spare your room? My wife is pregnant. She's about to give birth. We really could use a room. Is this, is this the picture of peace? Is this the picture of convenience? Is this the picture of perfection? No. 
This is what the Prince of Peace came into the world with. Nothing's working out right. They end up in a manger, which, I mean, in all honesty, you want to compare that to a modern-day thing where they're going into the town? It's like them finding an empty mechanic bay of a garage downtown in Butler that they decide, okay, we can hold, we can, we can hold up here for the night. Opportunity for peace? Does that seem peaceful? Hold on, hold on. Let's, let's, let's do this, too. So Joseph, then, you think there was a doctor available in the manger? I mean, Joseph didn't have, like, okay, Mary, hold on, hold on. Like, let me, let me, let me look at Wikipedia real quick. Or let me reference my physician's desk reference here. I'll, I'll find out exactly what we got going on here. Nothing, 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 nothing. If anything, these two people were totally thrown out of every environment of opportunity to have peace that you would possibly imagine. But there was. Why? Because God's peace is not dependent of the circumstances of your life. In fact, God's so powerful that he says, I don't care what you have going on in your life. I can give you peace. Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is not the absence of your problems. Your problems will remain. But God will give you the grace and the peace to navigate your problems. He will give you the grace and peace. Navigate. Well, how? I, how? I, all I'm thinking about, all I get because you're not thinking about the Prince of Peace. Are you going to the Prince of Peace to answer your questions, or are you trying to figure out how you're going to Gantt chart your solution on this? No. Who's your source? And now there's one other thing, and this is I, right here. I, 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 this is an important point. So, what happens after Jesus is born? Jesus is born. And it says that, interesting, it talks about this later, but it says that Mary, up to this point, she cherished all these things, which tells me that Mary had a heart where she cherished everything that happened. I feel like Mary and I, if we would look back through pictures, we'd have those rose-colored glasses together, right? Everything was great. <laughs> so what happens after Jesus is born? Who gets the announcement? Shepherds. When it goes to the field, angels go to the field and tell shepherds. Why didn't they go tell the ruling Pharisees? I mean, the Prince of Peace just got born. If you know Jewish culture, those shepherds, dollars to donuts, they were all teenagers. Now, here's an interesting point. Whenever the angels show up and tell the shepherds, it says that they were full of fear. Actually, a lot of translations say they were terrified. When you are confronted with the perfection of God, a common human reaction is fear. The things that God wants to do in our lives sometimes, we will be afraid of. We will respond with fear. We will resist it because of fear. Because his version of perfection sometimes just seems so unobtainable, or what he's going to ask us to do. I remember there was a period of time in my, you said, well, what do you do with that? There was a period of time in my life where, man, I was, I was, it was, it was, it was tough for me. I did not, I felt a lot of self-condemnation. And during this period of time, I felt like if I was, if I would have read the Bible, I would just feel more condemnation. I would find something on that would just pile on top of it. And so, you know, I mean, I would read here and there, but I, I really would never give myself into it. Why? For sake of fear. 
because I didn't want to be confronted with the perfection. But you know what I found? I found that whenever I, there was a point that I finally made a decision, so you know what, forget it. I'm going to read, and it was, it was read through the entire book of Luke, read through the entire book of Acts. Let me tell you, whenever I pushed past that, the amount of peace and grace that I found, I mean, it was life-changing to me. I dare say that if I didn't do that, I would still be in that state of fear and condemnation in my own life. God didn't do it for me. He simply gave me the opportunity. And it did not seem like a convenient circumstance. God, if you want me to do this, give me some feelings that I feel like I want to do this. Nope, was absent. Sometimes in order to obtain God's peace, you will have to do something that you are afraid to do. But the Prince of Peace will be with you. See, this is why Paul then says in Philippians, it says, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Why? Why? It's because you can have peace whenever nothing lives up to your expectations, your specifications, or your standards. Why? I can rest and know that they're meeting what God wants in my life. You can have peace whenever things don't happen within your imagined time frame. You can have peace whenever things are not bending to your preference. You can have peace whenever things didn't happen how you anticipated it. You can have peace whenever you are in total chaos and in fear. Why? Because I still can identify that my Prince of Peace has never left me and he is still with me. You have to make the choice. And I'm going to be honest, you probably get the choice, you have this choice every single day. The moment you wake up, I mean, and for if you have kids, it happens five minutes before you get up. <laughs> the peace in your life is solely dependent on your decisions. Will you go to your Prince of Peace, the author of perfection, or will you make it yourself? If you make it yourself, you'll never experience that shalom, that arene, that wholeness. You'll patch it up to what you think is good enough, and it will never maintain. In Luke 1, 76 and 79, this is Zechariah, and he is prophesying over his son, who would become uh, John the Baptist, right? So John the Baptist, if you, if you understand, John the Baptist was the prophet that went before Jesus. So Zechariah says, now you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High God. You will go before the Lord to prepare his way. You will make his people know that they will be saved by having their sins forgiven. With the loving mercy of our God, a new day from heaven will, be, will dawn upon us. It will shine on those who live in darkness in the shadow of death. It will guide us into the path of peace. Just leave that slide right there. It says, it will guide us into the path of peace. Not the path to peace. 
the path of peace. Why? Because peace is not something that you finally get to and obtain by just getting all the, check, all the things marked off. It's going through your messy life with the Prince of Peace ruling in your heart. And he walks you along that path so that you can find the peace that he has for you in the midst of your problems, your situations. Because let me tell you what, guys, a new year in 2021 is not going to change all of a sudden like some hard reset and everything's different. Those same problems are lined up, I'm telling you, they're lined up waiting for you on January 1st. They're going to be there. They're going to be there. Now, if you want, you can get out of the thicket and get onto the path of peace while you're walking through those problems. Just like Mary and Joseph, everything that could have gone wrong in a, up, leading up to a pregnancy has gone wrong. Yet somehow, God was there in all of it, the very Prince of Peace. The greatest event in human history begins right there in the midst of utter and complete distress. It's a path of peace. It's not the path to peace. So you say, what do we do then? I think, we, I think we've lined it out. We know our source. We know what peace is. It's completeness and wholeness. And it's only found through him. Now here's the other thing. I need to make this clear. You are not responsible for everybody else's peace. You are responsible for your peace. And in the epistles, this is what Paul was trying to get. Look, if you walk in peace and you walk in that, just like how that video showed, it's him being imparted into you. Now, if I walk in it, it spreads. And if we all walk in it together, there is wholeness. And even for those that don't, I'm still on the path of peace. That's why the peace surpasses our understanding. It's beyond what we can ask or think. The easiest way to start on this path of peace is to cultivate your own time with God. You can't know the Prince of Peace without spending time with him. In Psalm 119, 165, it says, those who love your instructions have great peace and do not stumble. If you are not spending time reading this, you will not know your Prince of Peace. And I promise you, and I promise you this because I have done this, you will substitute what he wants for your life with what you think is best, and it will not bring you peace. I've tried it. It don't work. Anyone else try it and figure out it doesn't work? Yeah, I think we all have. Oh, sorry, table. So as we close out here, this is what I want to encourage you with. Say, God, okay, you, you talked about grace. You talked about peace. Grace, God's ability, God's favor in our life. And now peace is God's wholeness in our life. The common, the common trend, the common thing between two of them is Jesus Christ is the only supplier of either of them. I can't obtain it any other way than through him. 
And I want to encourage you. You might say, well, I feel like I have, I have peace. But I want you to understand, God's power is wrapped up in these attributes. And God's power is not, it's not like, it's not like you can't get healing through grace. It's not like you can't get healing through peace. God's power working in your life will work out the things that you have tried so hard to correct for all these years and obtain. It will change it because God's power is in his grace. It's in his peace. Think of it. Jesus Christ says, I have solutions that I can give to you that will so far bypass all the, you will walk through your problems like they're nothing. You have to go to him. I just want to give you everyone the opportunity. If you don't know Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, this is it. This is the opportunity. You're watching online. This is the opportunity. You want peace that surpasses understanding. You want to have peace in the midst of the chaotic life that we all are subjected to. Jesus Christ is it. And beyond just this life, he offers you peace, eternal peace with your heavenly Father. Don't turn this gift down. Everyone's head bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, you've never asked him to be your Prince of Peace, you've never asked him to forgive you of those sins so that you can have that peace with God, I want to give you the opportunity today. You might say, you know what, Pastor Ben, I feel like I am so far from it. I feel like I am so far from God. I need to come back. I just need to renew I need to renew my, my life with him. I need to make a fresh commitment to him. I need, I don't know, I don't know where I stand anymore. Today's the day you can know. If that's you, I just want you to put your hand up and say, yeah, you know what, that's, that's me. Online, if you identify with that in your heart, you can, you can just acknowledge it right where you're at, that's me. Take it that we all here know Jesus Christ. For sake of our online audience, we do want to say this prayer together. Because this is the prayer to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord, to have that peace with the Lord. Say, Father God, I acknowledge I need peace with you. It only comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus, save me. Give me peace with the eternal Father. Heal my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. God is good.